Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. And welcome to First Nazarene Church. Thank you uh, for being here for church this morning. Thank you for being a part of us. Thank a special thank you to all of those, all of you who woke up and chose to wear red this morning to cheer for the Kansas City Chiefs this afternoon. That was not your conscious thought, but you showed up here, and now you're a Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs supporter. So thank you. Thanks for being with me in that today. Will this be the last week we get a cheer for our team? Yes, it probably will. And so thank you for your support. Um, just. Just as a bad joke, I should have cut that from the first service, but um, thank you for being here, especially those of you that may be new to our church, uh, whether it's your first Sunday, maybe you've been coming a week or two or a month, uh, thank you for being here, thank you for checking out uh, what a church could be, and maybe potentially finding your church home here with us at First Nazarene. We, uh, we, we say this all the time, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done when you walk into this place, we simply want to point you to Jesus. We believe if you do that, you find this God who made you, who created you, who loves you and wants to change your life. And so we are happy that you have joined us here today. Before we get into the message, uh, I would love to remind you that our life groups are launching today. So if you were here last week, uh, we told you last week, and today is the last day to get into a life group for this winter session. Now, if you're new with us, life groups for us is the best way to find connection with other people and to experience the Christian community. If you want to find a smaller group of people who love you, who care for you, who be praying for you and know what's going on in your life, uh, Life Groups for us is the way to do that. We truly believe that we have a group for everybody. Um, If you are maybe not so much ready for a Bible study yet, but you'd love to connect with other people, maybe you'd find an activity group. Uh, Basketball, you do need to sign up today. They start Wednesday night. Uh, Or pickleball or a men's breakfast, or you can see the different options under activity groups. Uh, Or our grow groups. If you want to go a little bit deeper, uh, if you want to do a uh, Bible study over a topic or the Bible itself, uh, get into a group and grow in your faith. And women and men, oh wow, that looks like that's us, uh, there is an event for you. So at the bottom of that life group option, there's a women's event coming up and a men's event coming up. So I encourage you to sign up for those today. You can do that in the First Nazarene app, the QR code on the back of your seat. Actually, the easiest thing, go talk to Pastor Ethan at the Next Step Corner after service and find a group. We will be launching groups again in about a month, month and a half with a booklet and some new group offerings there too. Well, today I am really excited to share with you honestly what I feel like God has been teaching me lately from my own reading from scripture and books and otherwise. Um, Today, uh, I I guess I would encourage you more than other weeks uh, to follow along with me. Uh, So if you have your Bible, it's Colossians 3, or if you didn't bring your Bible, but you have the first NAS app, just click Bible, it'll take you right there. I'm simply going to walk through this today, and I want you to be able to see it. My hope today as we go through this, I'm going to give you four major questions to ask yourself that I truly believe that if you wrestle with these questions and answer them, they will help you change and transform your life into who God wants you to be. 
Because I think for all of us, there seems to be a gap existing between here's who I am today, and then I have this picture and idea of like what a Christian should be or what a Christian life looks like. And we're like, I'm not really there, but this is what it should be, and there's a gap that exists. And I don't think in the church we talk often enough about how do I practically actually begin to live the kind of life that God would want me to live. And today that's exactly what we're talking about and I hope to give you some practical steps uh, to get there today. From When we come to Colossians 3, um, we see Paul's writing to, to a church. He writes a letter and they're delivering it to a church that is gathered that's going to read this aloud, these instructions from God. This is a church, these are people who have already placed their faith in Jesus. They've believed this good news shortly after the time that Jesus has come. Jesus wasn't just another man or a good teacher or a moral authority. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He came to us from God to take away the sin from our lives but more than just individually and personally, to begin to renew and recreate the entire world. That he would start to make things right again as God had originally intended them. He's launching this search and rescue mission for all of creation, including humanity. That if we would put our hope and our faith in him, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sin. He was raised on the third day so that I might have new life with God too. That we would be saved and have life with him forever. But it's not just a, I believe, so then I, I just wait until I die and can go to, go to heaven. No, it's just when you believe, God actually changes you in the here and now. And as Paul is writing to them, he's saying, if you want to know how to see this change take place in your life, here's how you do it. You don't have to go on living as you always have. You want to be different? You want God to change you? Here's how you do it. Beginning in Colossians 3, verse 1, it says this, since then, You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. He begins by saying, remember that you have been raised. Why does he use this language? This is um, a picture of baptism. And today I'm going to ask you to strap in and go a little bit deep with me. I really want to do kind of a Bible study that's a little deeper, just walking through this, and then we'll get to the practical at the end of this. He says, you have been raised with God. This is a picture of baptism language. You picture Jesus on the cross, and Scripture says, has the sin of us all placed on him. He goes into the tomb, and then he is raised from the dead. So Christians, from the very beginning, if we profess our faith in Jesus, the sign and the symbol of what God has done in our hearts is baptism. And so we go into the water, and as we go down, it's the picture of Jesus going into the grave, taking our sin there. It's the picture of us dying to our sin and to ourself. And then we come up out of the water, we are washed clean, and just as Jesus went to live a new resurrected life, so we too have new life in him, forgiven, loved, and living into God's mission and purpose for our life. He says, you have been raised. Picture how Jesus was dead and then raised. You too count yourselves as dead to your old self and now alive to God. You've been raised with Christ. And then he says these words, so set your hearts. This is your passions, your dispositions. If you're familiar with the Bible, the Greek word is the same one where he says seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. What you want in your life, your passions, desires, seek God above everything else. Put your hearts on the things above. And then he says, 
and set your minds, set your minds on things above. Begin to think about things from God's reality. Can I ask you a question for a moment? When you think of yourself, when you think of other people, what is it that you think about? When you think about yourself, how do you talk to yourself? When you assume things about other people, are you assuming the best or the worst? Paul says, set your minds on the things of God. Think of them from a heavenly perspective. How does God think about you? That person that you just cut down in your mind because they're just terrible and awful and make all the wrong choices. How does God think about that person? Set your mind on the things of God. This is how God begins to change us. If you want to know where the transformation begins to take place, say, Jesus, I believe in you. And in a moment, God changes our hearts, we are saved, and we have relationship with him. Then as we live, where does the development of Christian virtue begin? In our minds. Set your mind on things above. Or as he says in 2 Corinthians 10, I want you to see this. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have the divine power to demolish strongholds. And it goes on. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then he says this. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take captive the things that are going through our heads and we put it at Jesus' feet. God, help me change how I think. Now, I'm not gonna lie, I read this. Every thought? We take captive every thought we have? I don't know if you've thought about all the things that you think about in a day. Sometimes you have to do things and they're pressing things and there's emergencies that come up. But sometimes our idle thoughts, when you're just sitting there, what is it that's going through? There's a lot of thoughts. Studies and research may disagree a little bit, but somewhere around you have 60,000 thoughts a day. What is it that you're thinking about? Maybe you sit there drinking your coffee or in the shower and you ponder the deep questions of life. Like, why is it when we're young, we sneak out of our house to go to parties, but when we're old, we sneak out of parties (laughs) to go back to our house? Why is it that coffee stains my teeth brown, but milk doesn't stain it white? That's not fair. Why is it, I wonder this one, that tall people are expected to grab things off the top shelf for those that are shorter? But if I ask someone to grab something off the ground, then that's just mean. Why? Maybe the thoughts you have is you realize the deep thought, men, this is for you. Knowledge is knowing that you are a man and you can carry in all the groceries at once. But wisdom is making multiple trips so that by the time you're done, other family, family members have already put away most of the groceries. These are not the things you think about? Okay, maybe that's just me. What goes through your mind? If you were to actually pause and sit back and look, listen, 75% of what goes through your mind is negative. And what goes through your mind, 95% of it is repeated. Now, this is why this is important. What you begin to think about is actually constructing the reality that you live in. And if 75% of it is negative, thinking terribly about yourself or others or fearful or afraid and what's going to happen and this isn't going to happen and the sky is falling and then it gets repeated over and over and over and over again, 
How does that affect the world that you're living in? Maybe you've never connected this thought to Christianity, but I want to tell you, part of growing in your Christian faith and life is being aware of what passes through your mind and controlling it. Do you know that not every thought you have is true? Not every thought you have is good? Not every thought you have is helpful? So begin to take notice of them. Take them captive. Why is this such a big deal? Again, I believe your idle and repeated thoughts are constructing the reality that you live in. You are literally making how you view the world and live in it with by the way that you think. Or as one philosopher once said, you either have two choices. Control your mind, control your thoughts, or they will control you. When you have your worries and fears, what if we don't get this done? What if we don't have enough? What if that never happens? What you think about yourself, I'm worthless, I'm not valuable, I'm not good enough, nobody notices or loves me. What you assume about other people, yeah, but I bet they're just so fake. When they go home, there's no way they do that. Or, oh, they just have the best life. They must be perfect. As a side note, can I tell you today? When you catch yourself assuming things about other people, treat it as a mirror. Your assumptions of others often actually tell you more about yourself than they do them. Where have I seen myself inadequate, short? What is it that I want? What am I jealous or envious of? Those things come out in our assumptions of others. What you think you will become. So today, our number one big question of the four, what reoccurring assumptions or lies live within my idle thoughts? Could you reflect on that this week? Have a conversation with somebody. Begin to notice your idle thoughts. And even as I say this, some of you would say, well, What is a lie? Because if I think of myself as not valuable, not worth it, because honestly, nobody notices me, I would define those things as true. Do you remember early in Colossians? Set your minds on things above. Who gets to define what is truth and a lie for you? As a Christian, it's not you, it's God. So when you begin to think, these are the things in my mind, is that a lie? Well, what does God have to say? And Ephesians says you're created on purpose, for a purpose. You're valuable because you intrinsically have the image of God. God made you on purpose. Uh, Another scripture in the Old Testament says, he knew you before you were even born. He fashioned you together to be uniquely you. You are valuable. You are loved and you are seen. What is the truth and what is the lie? So Romans 12 says it this way, a familiar passage for some of us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? How are we transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Recognize what is a lie and what is true. My favorite desert monk, I know you all have your favorite desert monks too. My favorite desert monk, his name was Evagrius Ponticus. What a sweet name. Uh, Back in history, he walked out in the desert to duel with the devil. That should be a movie. He walks out and he says, I'm going to live this Christian life with God. And he's alone in the desert. When you're alone, you begin to notice the thoughts that come into your mind. He noticed how many of them were lies from the enemy. And so he wrote this little handbook. If you translate it into English, it means talking back. And I love that. When this lie enters my mind, I'm going to talk back to it. And I'm going to take a corresponding truth from Scripture to be the truth that I talk back. 
okay, I'm alone and nobody loves me. Well, God sent his son into the world because he loved me, for God so loved the world. So when I recognize the lie, what is the truth from Scripture? Today, I almost wanted to give you a list of like, here's common lies we tell ourselves. Here's the truth from Scripture. But honestly, I want you to go and do the searching for yourself to find if this is a lie, what does the Bible have to say about this? Can I talk to my life group leader or a pastor? Is this a lie? What, what does God say about this? What is the truth? Talk back to yourself. Which leads to their second question today. If I recognize that I have assumptions and lies, then what is the corresponding biblical truth? What is it that God says about what I'm lying to myself about? Going back to Colossians, since then you have been raised with Christ. He goes on in that passage, jumping down to verse 5. It's not just in your mind, but it begins to play out in your life. He writes these words. So then, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs in your earthly nature, your sexual immorality, your impurity, your lust, your evil desires, your greed, all of these are idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. He's saying this comes out in your life, and then he uses really strong words. Put to death. Do you see that? Put to death. Rid yourselves. It's not like, hey, if you want to live a better life, here's some things you might suggest. And he says, you see these things in your life, put them to death. Why is he so strong on this? For me, first of all, I think it is that is, if you want to change your life, you must actively and intentionally begin to eliminate the things that should not be in your life. Secondly, though, when he says put to death, again, this, this entire passage steeped in baptism language. I think it's the call to remember and remind ourselves, wait a minute, for all of these reasons that we read, These were why Jesus came and died and was placed into the tomb. Put them to death is really saying, put them back where they belong. Put them back in the grave. That was the old you. You no longer are required to live in these ways. You have freedom from these things in Jesus. Put them to death. Put them back in the grave. Rid yourselves of these things. So our third question, what do I need to put to death in my words or my actions? For to actually take stock of my life and invite my spouse or my close friend who knows me well to say, what do you see in my life that God would not want in my life? What is it that I need to actively work to eliminate from my life? What do I need to put to death? The reality is that most of us already know. Even in these moments, God's spirit comes and speaks and points out an area, I should probably stop doing that thing. Then the prayer becomes, so God help me to put that to death in my life. It goes on just where we left off. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. I want you to see this, so I highlighted it. Take off and put on. What, what is it we regularly take off and put on? It's our, it's our clothes. We take them off at night and put on new clothes in the morning. Again, baptism language. In these days when you first followed Jesus and you would become baptized, here's how this would work and you're welcome that we do this differently today. You would go to be baptized and you would wear your normal everyday clothes. Before you walk down into the water, 
you would take off your clothes and strip naked. Naked, you came into this world, naked, you'll leave. You walk into the water, and then you are baptized. Again, some of you are like, they did what? You're welcome. We don't practice that, that in the same way here. When you come up out of the water, a church leader would put a beautiful, white, pure robe over your shoulders. The symbolism being those old garments, those old clothes, they're dead and gone just as you went under the water. And now as you are raised to new life, you are raised in the purity, forgiveness, the spotlessness of being forgiven by Jesus, a new life, new garments. So he's saying, take off these things that you shouldn't be doing. Now begin to put on things. As you're renewed in your knowledge, the image of your creator, who God made you to be, begin to put on new things. It goes on. So he says this. Therefore, as God's chosen and holy people, dearly loved, for that is how he thinks of you, clothe yourselves then with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. How? As the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. If I'm taking off, if I'm putting to death, now what am I putting on? Putting on kindness. We have to practice this. And humility and patience to bear with one another, to forgive people, to put on love as I live in the world. Again, baptism. I want you to notice just if I can, a little side note here. In our modern, western, cultural, philosophical moment of the day, it says this, who you are is how you most feel inside. The way you were born, whatever comes natural for you, that's who you truly are. And if you can um, find people that can speak that truth into you, you can live your truth. And people that tell you anything different or you should do something different, those are oppressive people that you need to free yourself from. And the more you can be free from them, the more freedom that you can live in. That is our modern cultural thought of the day. I want you to see that the gospel of Jesus stands in direct contrast to that thought. Actually, scripture in Jeremiah says, our heart is deceitful above all things. Says so we actually need to be rescued from ourselves because when we're left to ourselves, we do things like anger, malice, slander, murder, hatred, gossip, all of these things. We need to be saved from that. What we need to not do is realize who we truly are. What we need to do is realize who God is and how much he loved us and who he wants us to become. And then as we follow him, he begins to change us. And then it becomes a practice. How do we change? We begin to put on these things, to try them, and the more and more that we do them, the more and more we live into Christian virtue. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and dwells within us to cleanse us, renew us, transform us, restore and recreate us to make us differently than we are today. So the fourth question then is, what do I need to practice? It's a practice. Putting on and living into if this is who God has made me to be in Jesus, how do I actually practice putting on these things and living in to them? So today, let's get really practical. What does this look like? How do I do this? Um, I think maybe the best example uh, for this, uh, how many of you golf, just so I can know who I'm, I'm talking to today? How many of you golf? Wonderful. Thanks for raising your hand and signing up for our golf summer life group, Thursday morning, 6 a.m. Thanks for signing up. Come join me, play nine holes. It'll be great. You may have noticed, if, if you learned when you were first learning golf, 
or for those of you that never have and you'd want to learn, someone hands you a club. What do you do? You grab it in the natural way. You just grab it like this, right? And then you lean over it and you just take a hack. And hack is the best word to describe what your swing looks like. Let's be honest. You and the ball goes over there and it goes over there. And you do what comes natural. Some of you are like, I'm a grown man. I can swing hard. And you swing as hard as you can. The ball never goes straight. It's all over the place. But imagine, let's say, I want to get really serious about golf. I, I want to be better. Uh, I'm going to hire a, a swing coach. You're going to come and help me. And first of all, I think we all need a, we need, we all need a swing coach. Um, my wife, after like 13 years, finally went to the golf course with me for the first time this last summer. And I gave her my putter. She put it in her hands. She goes, I don't know. Are you, are you supposed to do it like this? Bink! 20-foot putt goes in the hole. And I was like, no, that's not how golf works. You should just go home. This is as good as it gets for you. Like, this is not how it works. So we all miss. We all have a mark we're shooting towards, and we miss it. So maybe you'd hire a swing coach. And that swing coach says, listen, I know it's unnatural to you. Don't hold the club like this. In fact, you take your pinky, you take your index finger, you, you go like this, and that's how you hold a club, and you're like, this is the most awkward, weird, it feels weird when I'm swinging. And then when you swing, I know you're, like, you're doing that weird thing with your hips, like, stop it, Shakira, your hips are lying. No swing like this, normal. Make it look pretty when you come. And you're like, this is unnatural? This is not, this feels wrong. And your coach says, keep doing it. So you swing and you swing and you practice. 50 swings in, 100 swings in, and maybe slowly over time, you go from boom, 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 to Oh, it's getting straighter. It's getting straighter. It's getting straighter. And you went from, I've never been a golfer, maybe one identity, to I have learned how to golf. I wonder in the Christian life how much it's similar. God says, I know it feels natural to you, but what if there's a better way? Could you maybe practice these things instead? And it will feel unnatural and uncomfortable at first, but keep on doing them. And over time, not only will you find this life that you should live, you'll begin to develop this new identity. I, I was used to not be, but now I am. You'll find that it will change you, even super practically. When that person cuts you down with their words, when they bully you in the office place, when the friend turns their back on you, what feels natural, I'm going to tell them off. I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to tell them exactly what I've thought about them for years. I'm going to let them know. But, God, if you say put to death, put on, how do I practice enduring suffering and patience and forgiveness? Jesus said, turn the other cheek. I'll choose to love them instead. It feels odd and unnatural, and you want, but maybe, if God has called me to. Instead of choosing everything I can for myself and to be greedy and to look out for me first, God says, put on humility and be generous. Maybe you give some back. Maybe in what you would say of someone else who hurt you, you would speak of them to somebody else behind their back, and instead then, that's the old me, instead of speaking poorly about them, you would recognize that hurt people hurt people, and what they did to you, you don't necessarily have to take on to yourself. And you can choose patience and forgiveness. And when other people speak terribly of that person, you can actually say something good about them instead. Maybe you would stop turning to the drink, the pill, or the screen to self-medicate or escape your problems. 
and instead turn to Jesus and professional help. Address your demons. Find holistic health for your mind, your body, and your soul. Unnatural, but if we walk the road, we find life. Now, here, listen. When you do this, when you actually do this, people in your life who know you now will notice. And they will say things like, who do you think you are? I know you. That's not you. Oh, you've been going to church now and you think you're a goody two-shoe doing everything, Jesus? Listen, I know you. That's not who you are. And you're tempted in that moment. Lies or truth? Yeah, you're right. I know. Yeah, it's, it's me. You're right. I'll probably get off this train in two months anyway. Or, as Paul said, consider your old self dead. You're being made new and now there's a new self you're living into. Maybe instead you could say the words, listen, the old me, that was who I am. You're right. But man, Jesus is making a difference in my life. I know that's the way I was, but Jesus is starting to make me into something new. Am I perfect? I'm far from it. But I'm on my way to who God has called me to be. Listen, you need to hear this. God transforms us, yes, in a moment with salvation, we are his. But then he transforms us in the work of sanctification. It takes a long time. Maybe for some of us, we need to stop being so hard on ourselves, stop evaluating and scrutinizing and criticizing ourselves every moment of every day. Look at me, I'm terrible, I did it again. And then begin to take a long view of grace. Who will I be many years from now? That's why for me personally, and some of you have noticed this, and it's kind of worked its way out into our church, we're a people of radical welcoming and hospitality. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, or if you believe when you walk into these doors. I believe that Jesus practiced that same kind of come and see. It's actually literally what he said. Because I don't expect you on your second week, your second year, or your 22nd year here to be perfect. God is always working on your heart. Could you lean into what he's working on right now and love him? Even for me personally, I think of my own story. If God could take me as a young man who was scared, insecure, lonely, addicted, who was a thief, a liar, a dealer, and a selfish cheater, and over time changed me to a pastor? What? If you knew me 15 years ago, and none of you did, if you knew me 15 years ago, you would laugh at the ridiculousness and the absurdity. This kid will one day be called Reverend Doctor? There's no way. Frankly, I would laugh at myself too. But thanks be to God. He changes people. Can he change you too? You quit believing of all, I will always be who I have always been. Could he change you? no matter your age or stage of life, slowly, beginning in a moment, but slowly over time. That's why today, I begin to stop, honestly, stop viewing myself as I am today, focusing on those issues. Begin to fall in love with a future vision of who God wants you to be. If God says I am these things and he wants me to be these things and I believe in 20 years I could be those things, start to fall in love with the picture of who you will become and slowly over time, God's spirit will change you as you practice putting on these things into that person. Today, I actually say this. You have no idea who's sitting in this room. This is the beauty of the church. I know you all don't know each other. I've got to learn more of your stories. You have no idea who's in this room. 
You think you're alone in your struggle. You think no one is facing the same things you are, but you don't know who's here. In this room today, there are former addicts, liars, prisoners, sexually immoral, greedy, selfish people, those who have caused unbearable pain to others, and more. But did you notice I said, formally known as? The gospel of Jesus takes those labels we put on ourselves or others, and they are no longer identities anymore. Instead, he says, in Christ today, you are forgiven and loved and valued and renewed and recreated and restored. You are transformed sons and daughters of a father who loves you. You're no longer what you did. You're being made new in Jesus. So for you, you are not alone. For somebody today in particular, would you stop disqualifying yourself from God's grace? No past mistake says you're unlovable. There's no bad thing you could ever do that God would turn his back on you. He's ready and waiting. You're here today. Don't you see he's been drawing you back to him all along? Would you choose to surrender, to find love and grace and let him change you? For all of us, I believe if you consistently ask these four questions over the long haul, God will change you. But it begins in a moment. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? God, for every one of us here today, let us turn to you. Let us recognize the work of grace that you've even brought us to a place like this to hear the words that maybe we needed to hear today. God, let us not just see this as some coincidence that, wow, it was the right day and the right message. God, help us to see that this is your Holy Spirit speaking to us. This is you speaking to us, wanting us to come back to you, to ask for forgiveness, to give our lives to you for the first time or rededicate our lives to you so that we might find grace and mercy in our time of need so that we would find forgiveness so that we could throw off the weight of our guilt and our shame and instead give it to you who took it to the grave and said, you don't have to be defined by those anymore. That was the old you. If you believe in me, a new day has come. There's a new self that's emerging. It's not perfect. No, you're not gonna be perfect. But as you practice these Christian virtues, you will one day become them. It begins in a moment. If you're here today, and you've never made a decision, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, and give me new life. You have that opportunity today. Would you say, God, forgive me? In fact, I would ask for a step of boldness and courage from you. If those words resonate in your soul and that's you, you need to commit your life to Jesus or recommit your life to him. All heads bowed and all eyes are closed. As a sign of saying yes to God in your heart, would you also give a physical sign? Would you raise your hand today on the count of three to say, God, forgive me. Make me new. Give me new life. One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up today? God, would you forgive me? God, would you give me new life? Hands up all over the room, friends. Scripture says he is faithful and just. He forgives you of your sin. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You have a new life in him. God, for all of us today, 
Would you help us to live as people of Christian virtue who work out our salvation with fear and trembling, who take captive our thoughts and see the lies, replace them with truth, to take off what has been killing us and to put on what brings us life in you. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.